Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 28. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Now, before we get into today's episode, can you do me a favor? And when this is actually over, can you head over to one of your favorite social media accounts? You can go ahead and pick which one that is and share either the magazine or this podcast with your friends and family. It's a big help in getting the word out about Rootless Living. Today I chat with Nathan and Marissa, the duo behind the very popular YouTube channel, Less Junk, More Journey, and I'm excited to interview one of really the very first full-time RV kind of YouTube accounts I found back in 2016. There weren't really a lot of them going on back then, and it's a great source of information for being a full-time family on the road. But before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Nathan and Marissa to the show. How are you guys? Doing great. We're good. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to have you guys. So obviously, like most people, when you decide that you want to go full-time RVing, you'll jump online, you'll start searching. There weren't a lot of channels in 2016. I mean, they probably were, maybe. And I found you guys. That's how I you know, came across your guys' channel. And I've known about you for quite a few years. And as we're working towards issue number four of the Rootless Living magazine and talking about you know, being a family on the road, Obviously, you guys came like front and center of people that I want to definitely have in the magazine, and then I need to have you guys on the podcast, so I'm glad you guys are here. I think what I'd like to do is let's go back, though, before, I don't even actually know when you guys started full-timing, and go back to what that looked like, what your life looked like before you went full-time, and then let's talk about a little bit about the transition. So when did you guys go full-time? So yeah, YouTube was 2016, but we left and hit the road in May of 2015, um, and then before that, so we had a, you know, sticks and bricks house is what people, I guess, like to say. Um, it wasn't, but we didn't, I, don't, I guess a lot of people feel this way. We didn't like hate our house. We didn't really hate our neighborhood or anything like that. We just knew there was more out there, I think. And our story kind of hinged and all started on us having a hard time getting pregnant with our, our first kid, Hensley. We finally did. And we thought, man, this might be the only kid we have. How can we spend the most time possible with her? Marissa did not want to go back to work um, as a nurse. She wanted to stay home with Hensley. And I crunched numbers and said, look, babe, if we, you know, if we downsize our house from a four two down to a, you know, something smaller, um, we can just live on my income. And then I, I said, yeah, do you know there are people who not only downsize their house, they downsize and they live in an RV um, as their house. And I thought she'd think it's crazy, crazy, but uh, she. <laughs> it was probably the perfect timing I guess to approach me because I probably would have done anything to like spend more time as a family and so spending more time as a family and throwing adventure in with that and travel both of us really enjoy travel and I thought that that sounded like an amazing adventure so I was like yeah let's do that so that's how we kind of got started. Did you already have your baby girl when you guys left or was that on the road as well? We, let's see. We first started, so it took us a year of prep. So she wasn't old. She was what, two, three months old maybe when we first started researching? She was five weeks when we made the decision. Yeah. And because yeah. we went and bought our first RV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a crazy story. But um, yeah, she was six weeks old and we made the decision. But it, she was a year when we launched. She just turned a year. Yeah. Yeah. It took us a year to prepare you know, our jobs and our home and get everything sold and get the RV bought. And so that was a year transition before we hit the road full time. 
Gotcha. I mean, it it definitely is a way to be close together as a family and obviously spend as much time as possible together. For some, that's a positive. (laughs) For some, that's a negative. (laughs) It it looks like it's worked out great for you guys. You guys have also kind of gone through the gauntlet of rigs. I think when I found you guys, you were in a a class A with a towed vehicle. Was Mm -hmm. that your first or like how many rigs have you gone through? (laughs) (laughs) That was actually our third. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, our first one we bought while we had a house, we'd never even done anything in an RV, not just like living in an RV, but like even weekend camp and RVs. We thought, well, maybe if we're going to sell our house and do this, maybe we should at least walk into an RV. See if we enjoy camping. <laughs> so our first one was like a 28, 30 foot ish um, earthbound. I don't know if you've ever heard of the company. They only made like, I don't know, 70, 80 RVs. They're pretty cool. They're kind of look like a spaceship if you ever see one. And so I saw one, I thought, Marissa, this is cool. Like it had cork floors and the spaceship look and the Euro cabinets and stuff that before many RVs had all these kind of things. And they were originally insanely expensive, but I found one that was just like a really good deal. And I said, if we don't like this, we'll just turn around and sell it, at least get our money back and move on. Um, And we didn't like it. We sold it. We ended up getting a fifth wheel after that. We went from 28 feet up to 43 feet for the fifth wheel, which I I was just miserable for me. I'd never, I'm not a truck driver, you know, an ex you know, semi driver or anything like that. So that was just too big. So then we went down to the 40 foot class A and that's, that's when you found us, I guess. <laughs> Call us like the three little bears of camping. Cause we like, this is too little, this is too big. This is just right. So, and as seasons have changed in our life, you know, we've, we've gone through parts of our life where we thought, okay, we need bigger space because we're coming out of a house. And then after we lived in something for a while, we thought, okay, now we're, we're used to living small. I think we can even go smaller. We want to be, we want to be nimble. And then that's when we even transitioned down to an Airstream and went even smaller. We realized that we wanted to get in more state national parks. And um, that was where we were in that season of life. So we definitely aren't scared to make changes to fit our season of where we're at. Mm -hmm. I also think it is a question that I've talked about here on the show. And, uh, you know, people always talk about like, how do you make money in the road? And what kind of rig should I get? And I do think it's interesting that a lot of times people try to answer the rig question for other people, which to me is just like, it's insane. It's like, you can't do that. Because even people for themselves, sometimes can't answer it. You know, when they're on the road, they're like, nope, this is too big. Nope, this is too small. You nailed it. But I do think probably buying used is a smart kind of transition in the beginning because then you're not really locked in. If it really doesn't work out, you can, you know, kind of get out of it and not be so upside down. So yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I met you in class A, then you went to Airstream. Now you're back in a fifth wheel, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we kind nice. of came round circle. We had our second kid um, and we decided we wanted a little more room. We wanted a washer dryer, you know, things we couldn't have in the Airstream. So we gave up some of that flexibility, uh, but went to a 40-foot fifth-wheel open range, which is what we have now. How do you feel about towing it now when it was <laughs> kind of stressful before? Well, I think, and I, I think if you move into an RV and you get a huge RV and your only learning curve is driving the RV and maybe parking it every once in a while, but you got to think you've got a lot of things to learn and get used to. You've got the repairs, you've got finding campsites, you've got the transition as a family. So I think all that at once and then the length of the RV on top of that was just too much. But I think since we've been doing it, we made this last transition to another large fifth wheel. You know, we've been doing it for four and a half years. And so there was still some learning curve with driving the bigger rig, but because we'd driven so much and we knew more about finding gas stations and finding places to camp and, and our pace, I think is a big one too. I think it was easier. So, you, you know, just get too many hurdles at once at the beginning with a big RV um, because we wanted to move around a lot 
and it just it just wasn't a good fit for where we were at. No, that makes sense. What has been your kind of favorite? I mean, where do you feel like your your season was just like this is perfect for the things that we want to do and the rig we have. This has been amazing. We always had an airstream crush from the time we started looking into this lifestyle. The very first RV we looked at was an airstream. It was just we loved them. We loved how um, plain and like simple but beautiful at the same time and how it was just it was just camping nostalgic camping they had been around for years and they it just caught our eye um, but at, when we first started RVing we thought well this just isn't possible for our family you know it's small there's no slides we thought we needed all this space well I told her it's like the the guy in high school that she really wants to date but no she shouldn't you know it looks like fun it looks like a lot <laughs> something to enjoy but like you got the curves it looks great, but it's really not super logical. A lot of stuff, the storage inside of it, you got a baby, the aluminum. And I was like, this is just a horrible idea for us. We, can't do that. <laughs> we tried to put it off for years. And finally we're like, you know what, this is the perfect season of life for us because we only had one child. She was small and we really moved at a faster pace. We love state national parks. And we thought this is the, this is the time to do it. Let's, let's give it a try. We, you know, that is our saying in everything we do is one, what's the worst that could happen? And, you know, if we don't like it, we can always go back to what we were doing. So that was just the biggest fear. And we want to pat like push through those fears, same with getting on the road. So the Airstream was just a really wonderful time. We were in that for three years and we saw so many amazing things. We were able to fit in so many national parks and do a lot of awesome boondocking. And so I think for us, we both said that was just a mm -hmm. wonderful season being flexible in that Airstream. But once we had our our next child, we thought, yeah, it's been three years. We're ready to stretch our feet, and, and we had to move on from, from the Airstream. But our Airstream days are not over, we say. We loved it. That's awesome. I think I got crushed by my Airstream dream once I got in one. I'm, I'm almost six foot seven. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It just, yeah. even a lot of the Class A's, I think my mindset was set on a Class A one. You know, I did, like you guys, I'd never really been in an RV before and the first time I walked in a class A I was like oh this isn't going to work unless I want to spend a half a million dollars so really I because of my height fifth wheels really were I had to end up but I, I love Airstreams too I love the look of them but I agree with you guys in a way when I do see them now as someone that's been doing this for three years it doesn't really seem like a full-time setup and I think it's you know coming back from the amount of storage I have now I don't know what I would do I'd have to get rid of even <laughs> more you know like you start saying okay that's it we're not going to carry an extra tire you know, we got to have the things that we want to have. It's interesting to see that you guys were able to do it with a family. Uh, you guys put it off for a while, did it. And I love that you're open to it kind of coming back later on, which is nice. I do feel that a lot of channels, and I, I do want to talk about your content. I thought, it, one, it was interesting that you hit the road and didn't start creating content right away. I do feel like a lot of people... You know, they're looking at it from, uh, what's the right word without her offending anyone? It's just like an attention getter that, oh, we're going to do this lifestyle. We'll create content around the lifestyle, mm. you know, instead of just going out and enjoying the lifestyle for a little while. Because creating content is a job. I mean, I think a lot of times people look back and they think, oh, no, it's not. My grandparents used to do it. Your grandparents didn't create content the way people are today. Um, I like that aspect of it. And then your guys' content, like even with the multiple rigs, there are channels that change rigs a lot. And I think that's part of the channel. I think you guys changing rigs is just more about finding your sweet spot for your family, which has been really interesting. Let's talk about how you guys decided to start creating content. What kind of drove 
remove that. We call ourselves accidental YouTubers. Like we, we did not see this being something that we would do. Nathan and I are both introverts. And so if you would have told me we were going to be YouTubers, I would have called you crazy. Like this is a exciting adventure for us. But I think for me, what got me on board was I fell in love with this lifestyle through a video. And like you said, there wasn't a lot of content out there showing the everyday life, the ups, the downs, the real life of RV lifestyle. There was a lot of how-tos, there was things like that, but we realized that there wasn't a lot of everyday life video. And I thought, well, I chose to do this lifestyle because I saw a video. So what if we were that video that inspired someone else to get on the road and change their life like it had changed our life? I think we've always just tried to embrace who we are and what we want to do. And we, we're not naive. We know that there are things, there are thumbnails we could use with certain words and pictures and there are, we could be changing rigs more often. And, you know, there are things we could be doing that would be driving more traffic, but we just, at the end of the day, I think we, and if you want to create content, there's something to consider. I mean, it's super easy to get caught up in the content and you lose sight of who you really are and, and what you really find joy in doing. And I think that's been, like our top priority the whole time is to make sure we're true to ourselves and we put family first and, um, you know, before getting caught up maybe in all of that stuff. If I need yeah. to replay any of that, let me know that's some gravel being poured or something somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. Yeah, just FYI, we're both dealing with a little bit of construction. Nathan Marissa have some construction going on. I obviously always have a leaf blower. I can hear it in the distance going on. <laughs> not, our, not our construction. They decided to start building a house like the property next to us. Like, So let's talk about the name. I really, I'm, I've been a guy that's talked about less is greater than more. Like that's been my thing for a long time because, you know, I'm from Los Angeles originally. My parents were both in television. So the lifestyle was really about you were judged by the things that you have. Mm -hmm. And I've always been like anti that as much as, I could. Luckily, you know, financially, I couldn't get a lot more. So it was okay that I stayed kind of in the less. But when I came across you guys' name, I was like, oh, that really hits. Where did that come from? Where did you guys decide we're going to call the channel this? And this is really kind of a big part of our purpose in getting people to understand this. I think Nathan and I both have different intentions in the lifestyle. Nathan's always loved minimalism and having less. And I've always struggled with, I love my stuff, you know? And so um, but I wanted the journey in my life. I wanted the family time. I think it, it's very fitting for us because I think there can be different ways to drive you into this lifestyle. And for him, you know, he, the less junk, he loves having less of that, those things that hold him down. And I enjoy the more journey and I deal with the less junk to get there. But over time, I've really learned that letting go has been such a freeing experience for me. And so if you think that you can't do this, I mean, if I can do it, honestly, anybody can do it because I have come a long way. (laughs) That four bedroom house, two of the bedrooms had been converted into walk-in closets, you know, literally. So we had four closets of clothes and we had two bedrooms that were also walk-in closets of clothes and stuff. I'm just a very um, emotional um, person. So I have feelings and emotions associated with even my clothing. Um, so this has been a, a tough process and I thought it would be a one and done downsizing. I don't know why I thought that at the time. It sounds naive now, but now I've realized that downsizing and having less stuff is an everyday muscle that you have to work. And it just works out good that 
you know, we're a team in this and he's the less junk and I'm the more journey. And it was just kind of fitting. That's interesting. I didn't know that the name actually kind of broke you guys two up in a way in, in, in regards to, you know, your kind of lifestyles. It's really interesting to hear. I think Marissa, you being really kind of candid about it is really good too, because I think a lot of people do get caught up in their stuff. I mean, I definitely do. Um, I wanted the nicest car. I want the things that people look at and you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses. Plus there is an emotional attachment to it. And it's really great that you're talking about it because I, I, it is a battle. And it's not just like, I, I laugh at people think it's just a battle for the women in our lives. There are bros that are like, dude, I can't do it because I can't give up my tools. I can't give up my garage. They literally won't go out because they can't give up their garage. And as much as I try, will get a toy hauler and turn it into a garage, it's not big enough. I need a garage that I don't go into anymore, but I need it to be there. It's mm -hmm. interesting. I really yeah. enjoy the name. I don't think that desire completely goes away either. I mean, don't, don't jump into the lifestyle thinking that I'll never want again. Uh, you know, I still have those wants and desires, but I think now when I, when I want and desire and I see something nice or, you know, a big, nice, it's not like I don't want a big, nice, fancy house, but we have friends come over with a nice car and they're like, Hey, <laughs> check out my car. And I'm like, that's really cool. Let's, let's come in and eat. They're like, well, no, no, no. I don't have time to hang out. I got to go back to work. You yeah. know, it's like, we're like, well, okay. Maybe having the nice car, you know, I think um, that's what changed it for me was that's the mindset I have now. I think, okay, well I could have those things. I could do that. But I just have like flashbacks in my mind of everything we've done over the last five years, all the family time, all the, you know, mountains we've climbed and the laughs we've had and the campfires. And I think, would I trade it? And that's how I have I changed my mindset is I think, no, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't trade it. You know, that's fine. If they, if they can have the house, I'll just, I love my little space. It's less maintenance. It's less to clean. It's just more freedom. So those desires don't go away. I think you just have to put in perspective, like what brings you joy and happiness. Yeah. And you have to be careful. I recently got into a friend's 2021 Dodge 5,500. That was a big mistake. You know, I have a 2014 3500. What you don't know, you can't compare to, too. So I'm kind of like, I'm learning that where people are like, oh, you should come into my new rig. No, I don't want to go into your new rig. I'm good. <laughs> I like knowing what I have and I don't want to find some gadget that I'm like, oh, I got to have that now. How are you with uh, less junk and uh, content creating equipment? Are you able to, because uh, man, every day something new comes out and I struggle with that where it's like, ooh, look at that, a new drone. I gotta buy that. Um, how are you with that, Nathan, when the, the new gadgets come out, the new bling? Yeah, I'd say it's probably my biggest weakness is electronics and gadgets, camera gear, that kind of thing too. Because yeah, I think too, if you're if it's your job, which it is at this point, you know, it's really easy to justify the new camera. It's really easy to justify the new laptop, the new piece of gear. Um, so I think when those work and, and pleasure kind of blend, it makes it even harder. But at the same time, that makes work more fun. So uh, that's probably my weakest spot, I think, as a brand. It's tough for us as a brand because um, we don't necessarily want to push merchandise in the same way maybe other people have. Um, and that's not saying right or wrong for the way, you know, people do things. Um, I think everybody needs to stay true to themselves and what they're doing, but I think it does maybe make a difference in the way we try to push merchandise, I guess. But I tell Nathan that we're less junk, not no junk. I, <laughs> I still like my junk. Yeah, if you're going to buy some junk, buy our junk, and no. then you can get rid of something else when you want to buy it. So yeah, buy our t-shirt only if you're going to get rid of a t-shirt once you buy it. Yeah, there's stipulations. <laughs> That's really funny. No, I get it. It's not about not having things. And I think a lot of times, oh, yeah, you know, sure. even when I talk about the less is greater than more, it's just that 
I, I think when, and I hate to admit this out loud, but I will, I'm still going to keep my, my gangster card, is I was watching Oprah once, and she had this thing where you take all the clothes in your closet and you turn the hanger backwards, mm-hmm. and then like, whether it's July 4th or New Year's, go to that closet and see what's still backwards, because that means you've never worn it. Mm-hmm. And I did, I couldn't believe how how many my like clothes I never wore, but yet I held on to. And so when I started doing that with other stuff and even the things that I brought into the rig in 2017, that, you know, 2020, I'm like, Oh, I didn't know I had that, that I don't know. I had that moment is, Oh, I need to get rid of that moment. (laughs) Which is, yeah. Cause I, I have, I'm, I'm with you, Nathan. I I buy a lot of the gadgets and I'll, I'll say it's because of work or a hobby. Um, and as long as I'm using it, I'm at the place in my life where I'm keeping it. Um, when did it, switch for you guys in regards to creating content i do i do think you'll you'll be in it the long game because of the way you started it was started more we want to inspire people the way we were inspired maybe there aren't people that you know have a a younger child that are just starting out that have no background so here's our kind of our idea of what our life is we're going to put it out there when did it switch from hobby to wow you know in order to really put in the time and effort i got to do it this way when did that switch for you guys how long were you doing it before you said you know what this is a job before you considered yourself youtubers well i think and this is probably a lot of things we started with aren't the same from when we started for today you know there weren't as it wasn't as much competition you could probably have a broader audience in the rv niche Um, now if you start you can like not just I'm going to target RVers, not just I'm going to target RVers in a van. It's I'm going to target RVers in a van who are women and have a dog. You know, there's just so many people watching RV channels now. It still works, but you've got to be more specific. But for us, I think um, we were just throwing, we were putting together videos that were a little more upbeat and cut a little better because we realized we just weren't even watching who wants to sit there and watch an hour long video of us hanging out on the beach? I was like, Marissa, let's cut that down to four minutes, put some music in there. And then if we're sitting around at Christmas, we feel like watching it, we might actually watch it. That's how it started, honestly. Just for our own. For us. Yeah. It wasn't even for, it was on YouTube, but it was mainly for family and friends. And then um, we filmed one. We said, well, let's sit down and talk about why we did this. Cause some people had asked us and that was the first video I think that took off. We just sitting as horribles with my iPhone. It was in our, our class A that you know about. And we said, you know, this is basically why we did this. And it really connected with a lot of people. And I think at that point we said, well, what if there are more people than we think wanting to do this lifestyle? Um, so, but this is the decision we made that I think if you're going to do a YouTube channel, it's a really tough place. And a lot of things are like this. It's really tough to break through if you just do it casually, if you're just going to put like maybe five hours a week into it. So we, I put a lot of my projects on hold. Um, I slowed down a lot of things. Marissa slowed down on her hours with work as a nurse. and we put. I don't know, between the two of us, 40, 60 hours a week probably into our channel for six months with no ads. We didn't do any ads. We wanted no conflict of people coming to watch the channel because I said, let's see if there's something there. But I said, we can't just do this for a week or two and see if there's something there. Because from what I'd researched, you got to go all in and you got to go all in for a while. So we gave it basically everything we had for six months and decided whether it works or not, we'll keep doing it or we'll drop it after six months. And it was, it was working, but it, yeah, it took a long, we didn't see any momentum for probably three months. And then finally at the end of six months, I think we saw that, wow, there is momentum here. We can change some lives with this. Let's, let's keep it going. And then once we got to the, the point where we could see a, it becoming our full-time income, we slowly backed off the other projects that we had and the other plates we had spinning and kind of made this our full-time position. So it, it took a while. That was, a, that was like two, two years. It was two, like two, two years. Two and a half years. Two, two and a half before we made it full-time. We still kept our, you know, slowly phased things out for the next year and a half after that first six months. 
That's awesome. I, I think there's so much here. So, I mean, I, and I know a lot of people that are thinking about the lifestyle. One of the things they're thinking about is creating content from the go. And I mean, I, I just want to make sure I'm pointing out the things going at it with a hobby kind of mindset in the beginning, doing it for family and friends. Um, I think about, I don't have grandkids yet. And, but I do think about, I would love to watch videos of my grandparents. And so for me, like that's one of my motivations of just creating content on the daily is I will, I can't wait, you know, 20, 30 years from now that they can see all that stuff. So when you go in with that mindset, plus it keeps you kind of true to who you are because your family and friends will be like, Hey, Demarissa, who are those people? that are on video. Those aren't you guys. Those are characters that you're playing. I think it's really good advice. Mm -hmm. And I think the other advice that I really love that I don't think people talk about is you have to give it time. I mean, even six months is probably a little short, especially now. I mean, when you guys did it, it was a little different of a feel, like you said, mm -hmm. but really sticking to it for a while because it does take a while. And the niche is really important. You know, I think everyone has a unique story and I think people get caught up in that. Well, I'm not so-and-so, I'm not so-and-so. And that's okay. Just find your unique story and double down on that and just put that out there. Because I also feel like now going into 2020, the lifestyle itself, living in a, an RV, isn't the, the main feature of someone's footage. And I think a lot of people are kind of realizing that where it's like, okay, they have to actually like us too. It can't just be our lifestyle mm -hmm. because something could happen. You're not traveling, you know, you, you settle down for a little while, you do something different. You'll lose a lot of people. Or if you switch it up, if you go from an RV to a boat, some of the channels have been able to do that because people like them personally. And so I think a lot of people forget that, but it sounds like you guys did it all perfect. And I don't know if you did it on purpose perfectly or accidentally perfectly, but it worked out and I've enjoyed your stuff. And I'm kind of a hard critic of stuff because you know, being on the back end of this stuff, you kind of see the the fakeness or trying to get it for the thumbnail or trying, you know what I mean? Like like you were talking about. And once you start to see that, you kind of lose interest. And, and there's always going to be a part of that. It's not that people can't do that stuff, but kind of like the, I think the theme that's going on right now is how terrible RV living is. Mm -hmm. You know, even I'm talking about like at the end of 2019, I started noticing like the the drama behind being an RVer. And I was like, why is this popular right now? Why are all these channels, you know, making it seem like a flat tire is life ending, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. So I've really appreciated your guys's content for sure. And I think families are probably really, you know, driven to it. I don't know your audience. You'll have to tell me, but I think the idea of leaving with a really young kid, because most people probably say, oh, I would never do this unless my kids are, you know, six and older. I'm not doing terrible twos on the road. And you have a newborn as well. Let's talk about that because I will say, with my four kids, oh, I don't know if I would have done it when they were young. <laughs> and I know they're not listening, so I can talk about them that way. There's just no way. I didn't do a lot of even camping with them because it would have been a nightmare for me with my kids. How is it with you guys and having children on the road, really? Well, this has been my mindset is kids are tough. Kids are tough whether you're in a house or whether you're in an RV. So I'm like, might as well be in an RV and be having fun is, is kind of my take on it because I mean we had Hensley the first year in a house and we had JJ his first year in an RV and honestly it's not been much different I mean we can't have as many toys but honestly they don't really like playing with toys anyway he's out there playing with sticks or rocks or or whatever he he can find and pick up it actually has made it a little bit easier in a sense where we are close all the time and so he's not you know, in, a, in another room trying to explore, stick things in a light socket. I mean, we're, we're right there together. So we use the outdoors a lot uh, to explore. 
And I think starting your kids out young in traveling actually helps them be good travelers. Um, when we hit the road when Hensley was one, there was a learning curve because, you know, she wasn't used to that. But then we saw after the next few months, she really got to be a good little traveler. And same with him, like, since he's done it from birth, we just worked around his schedule and he's, he's a really good little traveler. So I think there's lots of pros and cons to some cons. You want to do the cons? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, you mentioned earlier, um, if I think RV living magnifies relationships. So if you don't like being around your spouse and you move into an RV, it's not going to mend it. You're going to really not be around your spouse. So if you, as a family, if you're always screaming at each other and fighting, you say, all right, well, let's just move in an RV and fix everything. Well, it's only going to magnify it. So um, I think when we do, you've got to enjoy being around your kids because you're around them a lot. You're in tight quarters. I, I think the hardest, maybe specific thing for us with a newborn uh, was the sleeping situation. Probably um, that the hardest th- thing. What was going to be the hardest thing? I think with the airstream because that's what we were in before we got the fifth wheels. We didn't have a washer dryer, and it's not. I thought, oh, we don't need that. He's tiny, but he is pooping on everything. He's peeing on everything. He's you're washing sheets and blankets and. So it's, they're so small, but they take so many more resources than you think. And so we did get a large enough space for the fifth wheel, I think, to be okay. But, but yeah, the sleeping thing's tricky because, I mean, even if you get something with, quote, walls, I mean, they are not real walls. Like in a house, I mean, um, it can be, you know, it can be trying with the sleep and stuff. We're still trying to figure it out, honestly, like how to transition and when to do that. But people struggle with that in the house, too. No, I agree. I, I, you probably deal with well, as soon as I hit record and a leaf blower hits, as soon as you put him down something happens like that mm-hmm. and you're right no i mean it, i think it's good to talk about the cons and i think you the magnifying of it is really good i find myself as a guy that was anti homeschool like i just mm-hmm. i didn't understand it. i went through public school my entire life I, you know, even as an only child i'm an omnivert i was like this is the worst thing i can't believe parents homeschool i i felt that way for years until i got on the road and i met some of these kids that are being road schooled especially in these early really like important years those first five six years and to your point marissa what you said you know he's playing with dirt and rocks i don't see a lot of that with my city friends kids you know what i mean in a way and i hope that makes sense but on the campgrounds when i see a kid climbing a tree there's something about it that like gets me all emotional i'm like oh my gosh a kid's climbing a tree and he doesn't have his phone (laughs) with him how is this possible? What's he doing? There's a kid, I have a neighbor right now that's got a stick that he's turned into a gun and he's, you know, going around hunting. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. So I'm always a big kind of proponent for it now where it's like, if you can spend even a year or two and figure out a way to get your family on the road just for a little while, especially when the kids are younger, to your point, you just learn so much more in regards to being a kid that's out and about and learning meeting new people and adapting to new environments and situations i just think it's a it's a it's a really interesting childhood especially the early years which i think is going to be you know they're going to be really blessed because of it for sure which is cool i didn't know anything about homeschool either and i mean i grew up a lot of my family are public school teachers and so we kind of i guess are accidental homeschoolers in that sense too um and i've just seen how hands-on the learning is and there's actually an occupational therapist who said there's been issues with kids because they're coming in to see her because they haven't been outside playing like we've taken that away and they have to go to therapy because their coordination isn't there and so there is a huge a huge piece to that you're right how is it with the because this is something i just thought of 
you know, I mean, if I went on the road when my kids were younger and these were like some of the first grandkids in our family, I was 20 years old when I had my first and that would have been tough for a lot of my family because they would want to be around them. How's that been with your family, with you guys being on the road? I, I don't know how big your family is. If it's like, oh no, we got nine grandkids. It's fine that two are on the road or if it's been like a, an issue with family and friends that you guys are gone. Our families are all really close and they're all in the same area. So I know some people that have family spread out across the nation and RVing could actually help that because you get to see people you haven't seen. Uh, but for us being all in one space and luckily they're all in Tennessee. So it's not, you know, like Maine or Florida. Or, we love those states, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. But they're not, you know, on the corners of the U.S. where it's harder to swing by. Um, so I think the approach of us viewing things as routes almost for two to four months at a time and then coming back and spending one or two months um, around family has been really good because we, we've stayed in driveways where when we come back, I mean, we're there. Like when somebody gets sick, we're there. When somebody has a birthday, we're helping, you know, set up for the birthday. We're not just like showing up for 30 minutes and leaving. I mean, we are immersed in what's going on with the family. So even though we're maybe only in our hometown, you know, three months of the year, those three months, I mean, I think Marissa would agree. I mean, we spend an insane amount of time with family. Probably more time than people who live right next door to their yeah, family. I'd say definitely because we, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's a lot of time with them. Yeah, because we're really devoted during those times and we get to, like you said, really be immersed with our family and that and I I have seven brothers there's seven kids in my family and we're all very close and I know when we brought up this topic to our parents you know they were very concerned but I think that's where the videos have helped because once they started watching the videos they kind of were like oh it makes sense what you're doing and what what you're trying to do with your family and now after five years, they kind of understand our schedule and they know that we're going to be back and we, we like to have this as a home base. So the home base has really gave us that reset button and that family time that we really craved. I think it's a really good point too, that sometimes when you're really close together, you don't realize how little you actually spend quality time, not quantity time. And when you are very conscious of it and coming back home, it really does become quality time as opposed to just, you know, whenever someone wants to or hang out kind of a thing. So that's interesting. I, I didn't even know your background was that where the family was all in one area. Nathan, I love that you had the call out that you weren't hating on states. I made that mistake when someone asked me. <laughs> You could just, as someone that's creating content in or out traveling, you can never say the state you don't like. <laughs> don't do it. So, <laughs> and what's funny is I spent like 40 years of my adult life in California and people talk bad about California. It never bothers me. I don't have a California tattoo. I'm not that diehard of it. I get why you don't like it. I'm on the road for a certain reason. Obviously, I didn't like it that much or I'd stay there. Um, but I think it's funny that you had to do that. And I wanted to point that out because people don't understand. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the content creator in me, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've only been to 42 states. And I think at the time, I was probably somewhere in my 30s. And someone asked me, you know, what was your worst state? And I said, I can put this state at 50. And I've only been to 30. There's no way states could be worse than I mentioned the state. And I, man, I really that's when you find out if people are watching stuff all of a sudden I go, I can't believe you said that our state is wonderful there you know you must have not known what you were doing I'm like it's just me it's just my opinion so it just made me laugh when you had that little asterisk well I think that's I, I think you do bring up a good point too especially if family is spread out actually this lifestyle can really help with that because a lot of times people can't go see each other just because of how expensive travel is or getting time off and how do you 
you know, with your own family vacation and then see people. Um, I, I like that aspect of it. If a family is spread out, it does allow you to see people. I love that you guys are very conscious about it and figured out a way. Now you guys did get, uh, I want to say like in the last year, maybe longer, a little bit of a home base where you built basically the, the ability to have your RV at a home base closer to home. Is that true? Yeah. So we had, there was some family land actually between Marissa's sister and her mom. Um, and we just put water, electric, and sewer, which when people say full, full hookups, that's what they're referring to. So we just, uh, we toddled that in. Uh, we kind of put like a little deck out there and we got a trampoline and I built a little tree house. And so we made it low maintenance so that while we're gone, we don't have to really do much of anything. I didn't want to have like, you know, a perfectly manicured half acre yard or something, you know, that I would have to be figuring out, well, what do I do while we're gone with this yard? So most everything we've done, we try to make it low maintenance. So if we do go on a two month route, three month route, you know, when we come back, it's, it's sitting there waiting on us. Um, I think it's, it's been good. It gives us familiarity of where we're going to go and hook up. And we, there was a, there was an RV park we loved actually in our hometown that we went to for the first maybe three, four years. And it just started getting too hard to get in there. Sometimes we couldn't get back in. Um, sometimes it was just too crowded. And, and if we ever had friends and come in with an RV, we, we couldn't say, Hey, come by and hang out with us. Like there was never any extra spots. Um, and so we've actually got, you know, we got the option to kind of, you know, put some extra spots out here too, where we're at, if we have people come by. So there's a lot of pros to kind of having your own space, but not a ton of overhead with your own space. Cause I just didn't want to get back to that where I feel like I'm spending a ton of time like we did with the house, you know, having to keep up the house. And if you're wanting to do this lifestyle long-term, like if you're just wanting to do this a year and, you know, see as much as you can see and, or even two years, you know, I don't think, home base is necessary in that sense but for us we were like okay this is year four year five now and we're like we want we see ourselves doing this long term how can we prevent burnout what needs do we see that could keep us going and that was kind of what we decided that we needed was kind of that that little reset spot that time where we could spend time with family we could have our own space let our kids run and then get back on the road and it worked out you know with with our situation yeah after um, you know i'm hitting almost three years and i feel like a home base is going to be something whether it's just a barn or hookups for the rig i think a rig will always be part of my life even if i ever gravitate back towards a house i think this lifestyle has made me realize that a five thousand square foot house for me is nuts if i get 800 square feet and 100 square feet a shower i'll be really happy you know, I mean, that's the, that's the one thing at six, seven, you kind of miss. It's just a big shower. That's all I want. <laughs> Those are my life goals now. That's it. <laughs> and uh, I think a home base is something that I think is really attractive and something I wasn't thinking about. You know, I went on the road for a year to kind of find out where I want to live outside of California and fell in love with the lifestyle. But I think having, just like you're saying, and again, it comes with experience and, and it's, it's to each his own too. The idea of having a home base to be able to go back and reset, work on things, be around family and friends, have a little bit of a routine it does really help we did two months at a like a long-term place once even to the point where we had to pay electricity and we'd never done that while on the road but those two months were really nice you know and as far as getting into a routine and getting a lot of work done and then getting and I was really refreshed to get back on the road and I think those things are important it's glad that you guys are bringing up and talking about it and that's the other thing too there's really no wrong way of doing this lifestyle whether it's full-time part-time sometime there isn't and I think that's one of the things that I try to battle with people I see it a lot on social media and I've kind of backed away from the battle on social media is there isn't a wrong way to do this there really isn't you know because everyone has a different way of doing it and I love that aspect of this lifestyle that you can kind of figure it out for yourselves. What have been some of the challenges 
in and around um, having a family on the road out of, you know, trying to find like bedtime, what have been some of the things that you would say that, you know, families really need to consider if they're going to take their family on the road? Well, I think, I don't think Hensley lacks socialization skills as far as like meeting people and talking to people and getting to know people. I and mean, she's actually, we've had people just brag about her and we leave her somewhere because she talks to adults just like she does kids and stuff like that. But I think at the same time, and not just for kids, but even the adults too, I think forming and keeping deep relationships. Um, I don't know when, you know, she may get to the point at some point where she just isn't getting those deep relationships that she needs, um, you know, as a teenager or as someone in middle school or whatnot. I think it's because you're not seeing the same people on a regular basis as often as you would like in a school system or something like that with your kids. Um, you've got to know that I think it does help if you have kids around the same age and they're close to each other because they can be best friends in a sense. Um, of course, FaceTime and stuff like that can help too. But I think that's a challenge. Not not necessarily relationships and social aspects of it, but maybe deep relationships can be challenging. And that's where the home bases come in too for us is mm -hmm. that we are able to come back and kind of pick up where we left off in a sense where some of those relationships that she that she does have. But that's definitely a challenge, especially when you have that little um, extrovert like we do. She wakes up every day saying, where are we going? What are we doing? Who are we playing with? So it's... Um, it can be challenging at times. I bet. What is kind of your schedule right now? I mean, if you guys have one, are you guys, were you saying you're three months at the home base and then out on the road for six months? Or is it something like that? Is there even a math to it? Or is it just more just kind of how you guys feel? I, the usual, the first four years are pretty close to the, or even, you know, halfway through the fifth, everything got mixed up, you know, recently. But um, the typical schedule, we, we knew we always wanted to try to be home in our home base or in our hometown for um, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So November, December, Tennessee, uh, we wanted to get out of the cold typically. So January, February, March, we would head south either to Texas, Southwest United States or Florida. seems like we go to Florida more than anywhere. Uh, we would come back to Tennessee for birthdays. Um, JJ and Hensley both have birthdays late March and April. So we'd be here for say April and May. And then in June, July, we would head out and go somewhere to get out of the heat. So a lot of this is following the weather. With June, July, we'd go up north through Montana or Canada, or we did Alaska, you know, a couple of years ago. If Alaska was a little different. We stayed out for six months doing that just because it's such a long drive. But usually we would leave June, July, um, go to Montana or somewhere up north, and then come back to our hometown maybe just for August. And then we'd go back in the fall, September, October, and go do another two-month route. So that, that's kind of the, you know, I think that's a pretty close, I guess, sort of back and forth. I mean, we were actually in Tennessee maybe three to four months of the year um, and then moving around the rest of it. Yeah, it just depends. Some years we travel more than others. Like you said, we just kind of, it's how we're feeling. And um, I think that's important to, to listen to yourself. Uh, like I was talking about with burnout, I think that is why a lot of families burn out is because they're moving at a really fast pace that isn't comfortable for them. And we started out at a fast pace because you're excited and I, and I get that. And that's usually the, the first tip I tell people is like, try to slow yourself down because you do want to go and see everything. And I, that is so tough. But then you just move so fast that you're just burnt out. You're burnt out moving your home all the time and packing your stuff up and moving your kids and finding a new schedule every time you you know, uproot and then root again. And so I think just finding that pace that works for you and that's changed over time for us. And we just listen to, we just listen to our needs. So some, some years we move faster and some years we slow down. It's really smart advice for sure. 
Well, before we uh, let you guys go, I like to do what I call a high-low, where basically I'm going to ask you to kind of talk about something that's been like a real low in the lifestyle that, you know, maybe people don't know, or they do, because I think you guys are pretty transparent on your channel. And then we go into the highs, which I feel like people have a harder time, because this lifestyle does have a lot of highs. But let's start with the low. What's been a kind of a low on the road? Can you do that first, trailer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had breakdowns and stuff like that. But uh, our first RV, uh, we were in the house. And I can't believe we're, we kept RVing after this, really. But um, so we're in the house. We, we, as I mentioned, we were like, well, we need to buy an RV to try this out to see if it's for us or not. We went and we bought that Earthbound. Um, of course, they described it on, it was used. It was only like maybe, I don't know, what, four years old, maybe. They described it as like new condition. We showed up. We could tell it kind of wasn't. Um, but at the same time we were there, we'd driven nine hours, a hurricane was coming. We apparently didn't watch the weather and know about. So as I'm like, you know, I didn't know how to inspect anything that well anyways, but, um, the woman finally, we were out in this rain and we we're having to walk. It's, it's a kind of wind where you have to like lean into the wind to keep from getting knocked over in the rain and stuff. She said, I swear on my life, everything's fine on this trailer. And so I checked the electric. I was about to check the water. I said, okay, let's just do it. And so we bought it, we paid for it, the whole thing, you know, cash it was a done deal we drove it to a campground away from the hurricane maybe three hours away i hooked it up so it's late at night at this point it's like 8 p.m and i hear i hear that noise you do not want to hear in an rv water coming out uh in the in the bathroom and i look and it's coming out on the floor I go, oh my goodness so i go out to shut it off and there's water coming out the back of the rv as well water's just pouring out of this rv basically we don't know much about rvs but yeah. we know that it's we knew not that was not good because we bought this in south carolina around myrtle beach around the beach and i thought well you know i'm not gonna check the water it probably didn't get cold enough because i knew enough to know you're supposed to winterize it um but i didn't ask them specific i think i did ask if they winterized it actually they and it yes. had the winterizing yeah they winterize it but i guess they didn't winterize it right because <laughs> everything in that thing had busted the water here was busted it had like one of those tankless it's a nice or you know it was uh, the tankless water heater had busted. The, the toilet was busted. It was gone. Um, you had floor damage. You had all kinds of stuff. And so we're two hours from Myrtle Beach, still another eight hours from home. And we didn't even get to take the RV home. I had to take it over to a shop to let them work on it. I went back and negotiated with the sellers. I think maybe it was like a $3,000 bill to get this thing fixed right off the bat. We just bought it. Um, I think they did help us out with $1,000, which technically and legally, they didn't have to do anything at that point. Um, and it was another two to three weeks, I think, before we got to bring that thing home. <laughs> the Hensley was like, like I said, she was six weeks old when we'd done this trip. I drove through the night to get there. And I, I give Nathan a hard time because I always wanted him to like cry when we got married or cry when we had our first child. And he did not. But he cried over that RV. <laughs> she came back to the bathhouse and I was crying with Hensley and my arms. We were both just crying. That was that first night in the RV. Cause I, we had no, you know, we just bought this RV and we couldn't even turn the water on. So know? that was the point we thought, what have we done? Like, is this lifestyle for us? Are we cut out for it? Is this what it's like every day? Or, you know, I always say this lifestyle gives you an initiation. It likes it's seeing if you can handle it because you know, the tough times are coming your way and you have to, you have to push through and remain calm. So that was definitely the low and the deciding point of, are we going to keep doing this? <laughs> we did. I'm so glad we did. Yeah. <laughs> that is a rough start, but then it kind of is like when you have those rough bumps in the get go, you know, then yeah. everything else does seem a lot smoother, but without kind of like plumbing background and stuff like that, that would frustrate me. But for anyone listening, that happens with new rigs too, but that is, that is a real bummer. And I'm surprised you did not just burn it right there 
and say, nope, we're going to do something else. <laughs> I do want you really quick to at least tell one of your stories that I think are just hysterical. You can pick either one in <laughs> regards to campground rules. I think these are oh, pretty goodness, funny. Then we'll get into a high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we, with RVing, you got to think you're, you basically got a new landlord every week. You're moving around or by kind of, there are rules posted, but they pick and choose which ones they follow, which ones they don't. So I guess class A one, I guess we, uh, we were in Colorado and they have silly rules about, I don't say that if you're from Colorado, I'm sorry. We still love Colorado. Um, (laughs) Eight parks, at least at the time when we were there, uh, you paid a fee for your RV, but you had to pay even more of a fee if you had a separate vehicle with you. But if you had a class A, and your vehicle was connected to the back of it, it was all one fee. So we paid for the one fee because we had a class A and we had a Subaru that we kept connected. But the particular day we pulled in the state park, we only we were only going like 15 minutes down the road. So we we're like, well, let's not hook everything back up. Marissa, you just follow me in the Subaru and we'll pull up to this Colorado State Park. Well, we show up and it's it's a pretty steep, it's like an extra 20 bucks a day or something for this car. So they were gonna charge us, we were there a week. I mean, it's gonna be over hundred bucks. It was enough where I was like, that's ridiculous. They were trying to charge us for the Subaru behind us because it wasn't hooked to the class A. And she said, the only way I'm gonna let you get in with your the correct rate is you have to pull around. And Hensley had fallen asleep, of course, in the Subaru with Marissa during this 15 minute drive, because that's what kids do. Mm-hmm. She said, you're gonna have to pull around with your class A, you're gonna have to go hook up the Subaru, you're gonna have to all get in the class A, you're gonna have to pull up, and then I'll let you have the rate. And I was like, we were not. So I had to go wake up Hensley, get her out of the car seat. At this point, I probably should just pay the hundred bucks. But I think I almost just was like, okay, I'm gonna let her see that I've woken up my kid. And, you know, maybe I'm a terrible parent. <laughs> so we woke up Hensley, we got her out. We had to move her car seat because each time we only had one car seat, we had to move it from the Subaru to the class A. Marissa was visibly not happy about all this as well. We hooked it up. I pulled up. They did let us in and give us the rate after all that. Um, Super so, nice about it then. Oh yeah. She's like, <laughs> it was really funny. We pulled up. She's like, Oh, hello. I see you have one vehicle. Like being really anyways. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll deal with, you know, People are human. Um, you have rules, but they get to kind of, I think there has to be some interpretation. Were we literally two vehicles at the time? Yes. But should we have been charged one rate? I mean, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I think that that rule is made. So if you show up with your class A and a toad, you can't bring a third vehicle. That's literally what the rule is about. It's, it's not, you know, that's yeah, what was so weird yeah. about when I heard this, I get it where it's like, if, 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 you know, family wants to come and drive their car in and sleep in my rig for two nights, we have to pay the extra fee. When I heard you tell this story, I was like, I've dealt with this too on things that are obvious rules for a reason, but this isn't breaking that mm-hmm. rule. I'm really surprised that I know, you know, you're obviously, <laughs> you're a better dad than I am because I would have kept the wife and the kid in the car and just, you know, hooked it up to, which I know is technically illegal, but I thought on state, and we just would have pulled by with them waving, you know what I mean? And been like, okay, it's hooked up. <laughs> I, oh, who knows what would be legally then, I don't know. Yeah, but you're right, I mean, but you get people who are camp hosts and people checking you in who, they have the rule, it's black and white, and that's all they can read. They don't, they don't interpret, you know, what the rule is really for, like you're saying. Yeah, and there are people that are camp hosts and camp managers that literally should not be you'll run into that. That's not the profession they should be in. You you need to be in a cubicle and just shredding paper. That's the job you need (laughs) or you don't need to be in front of people. All right. So those are, (laughs) when I heard you tell those stories on your channel, I was like, that's unbelievable. Um, I think you should go to his channel and, and 
I'll put down in the notes the one where he talks about the other story so you can find that because I think that one is just equally as painful too. We'll leave a little teaser there. Let's go with the the high. What's been like uh, just a, a big high. I always like to use the phrase, you're sitting there and you're saying, how is this our life? What's been that high for you guys? I think one maybe trip, it was one of our first ones in the Airstream. We went to the Grand Canyon and we got into this campground where we would never have gotten to this campground if we had a large RV. Um, so we got to pull in with our Airstream. We saw elk walking by right in front of our window. We had Marissa's mom with us. So even though we had the small RV, we still got to have family with us to experience it. And we could just walk to see the Grand Canyon from this campground with our kid, with her mom. And I think that just covered a lot of the basis of kind of what this is all about. That we still got to spend time with family. We got to do things as a family ourselves. Um, because that was a tough decision for us to move down in size to that RV. So even though we had fears and maybe hesitations about things we were doing, um, I think a lot of it paid off for me, I guess, in that one trip in that one moment i think when we saw the grand canyon together in the air with the airstream yeah and i don't think we even really talked about the fact that family can come visit you and, yeah. and probably in places and situations normally they couldn't when you're in this lifestyle which is really cool there was a- loves to come visit oh yeah, yeah <laughs> we love it too. I mean, yeah. how often you get to stay somewhere and you can walk to the grand canyon from where we're at i mean <laughs> you can't i mean i I don't do a lot of crying in my RV, but I will say that I was pretty close to it when we were on the sand in Texas at the ocean as a California kid where living on the sand is, you know, you just have to be a multi, multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. And here I was doing it for free, you yeah. know, and it was like how that was like my like, I can't believe this lifestyle. It's unbelievable. At, there are moments there are definitely highs and lows. And that's why I like doing that. Now, I want people to know where they can find you. I mean, I, I will assume that most people know who you are but let's you know let's pretend they don't where can they find you uh less junk more journey.com is our website or if you go to youtube and just type in less junk more journey um, we'll be there we're other places too facebook instagram all that but just less junk more journey you search any of those and we'll be we'll be everywhere well nathan marissa hensley and jj i really appreciate you guys hanging out with me and you know hopefully uh, we'll see each other on the road oh i'd love well, thank that you. thanks for having us it's exciting Well, another fun episode, and for me, it was a ton of fun to get to know Nathan and Marissa a little bit more, even though I've been following their journey for a while now. Now, if you want to learn more about Nathan and Marissa, you can head over to YouTube and search Less Junk, More Journey and check out all their videos, or you can head over to lessjunkmorejourney.com, and they have lots of ways where you can connect with them there. And don't forget, you can grab a free digital subscription. Just head over to rootlessliving.com, give us your first name, your email, and boom, you're a subscriber. It's that easy. Now, before you hit stop, please take a second, give this podcast a review. And again, if you can share it or the magazine, it really is a big help and I really appreciate it. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. Dot com, and let's see if we can tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.